welcome to Film and Spirits Podcast with Fred and Sean. Welcome to the new podcast. Welcome to the new podcast. Yes, yeah. indeed, you said it, man. It's a big day for us. Yeah, we changed. We changed the name a little bit, everybody. Uh, we're going to get that out of the gate right now. We are now called Film and Spirits. We are called Film uh, and Spirits. You might Spirits. be asking yourself, why have we done this? Why the abrupt change? There's two reasons for this. I think off the top of my head, one of them is probably to appease the god that is. SEO, search engine optimization. <laughs> we want to get out there more. We want to be a bit more unique. This name just will ultimately serve that need a little better. The second was we don't want to box ourselves in just for whiskey. Like Whiskey is still going to be our bread and butter. We're still going to be talking that predominantly. But we also want to talk about other things. We mentioned that in uh, the teaser episode or episode zero that we wanted to explore this. And this just sort of validates that idea that we initially stepped forward with. Uh, Fred, what do you want to add to that? Uh, nothing much. You said pretty much uh, everything. <laughs> so yes, uh, appeasing the SEO god. A lot of people had a bright idea like like ours uh, to put f- the movie, film, whiskey in the same title. So we wanted to be more inclusive on we what we actually want to to drink during the show, what we want to discuss. So um, yeah, now we're Film and Spirits podcast out of Canada. Um, and yeah. today and is... Oh, sorry. Go ahead, man. I was going to just throw because it's in the, the logo and everything, but... Before we even get started, like if you want to see, we're going to be talking about a, a certain subject today, but if you want to read more about what Fred has to say on the subject, you should go to the, the site, screenhub.blog. It's right there at the very top of the page right now. Fred's got a, a very excellent read about a certain somebody. And of course, everyone knows what we're talking about because it's in the title of this podcast. <laughs> it's no <laughs> big surprise. <laughs> no, no, totally. So yes, I, I did. Uh, I did roll my last homage to um, to Daniel Craig as our the James Bond of our adulthood right now or our young yeah. adult years um, before we see No Time to Die in theaters. So uh, yes, go read it on the screen. Yeah, definitely hub, go read it. It's blog. a great read. It's getting a lot of traction too on the, the site. Like the last time I checked on Facebook alone. Had like four hundred nice, something yeah. like reach engagement, so good stuff. Man. People, people are nostalgic. They don't want to admit it, but they are. No. <laughs> but well, yeah, one today, person who might be nostalgic is our guest. Yeah, we got a guest today. Our first guest officially on the podcast, and we'll introduce him as Mr. Alex Callard. How are you, buddy? Hey guys, I'm very excited to be here and to talk about today's subject. Yeah, no, same ways, same ways. Uh, we di- we discussed this for a while, and we really wanted to have you here uh, because you're such a big James Bond fan. I think even bigger than I am, or maybe like maybe we're <laughs> toe to toe. But a it's, tough, it's a tough uh, it's a tough thing to break. But I think I, it's I do think clear it's to say we're all things. very passionate about it. So. Oh yeah, totally. <laughs> yeah. No, it's going to be a huge debate. Uh, so no, it's gonna it's gonna be a long a long show. So please stay with us because we yeah, have so much in. to discuss. Uh, yeah. Alex, man, I think um, introduce you yourself buddy because for us you're our good uh, concordia communication studies buddy but i think that uh, since we we finished university you have so much going on and uh yeah what are you doing right now buddy yeah i'm uh so my name's alex i uh i'm an animator in montreal i work at a animation studio not making bond films but maybe one day um and uh yeah, I, I'm a character animator. I've been doing it for a couple of years now. I started out in crowds, and now I'm doing character stuff. Um, 
I've worked on a couple of movies now. Uh, neither of them have come out yet, but they will be coming out soon. And right now I'm working on a project for Netflix. Um, yeah, you're literally working in the industry right now. <laughs> yeah, but not really what we studied for. <laughs> no, not really. But nobody really d- is doing yeah. what we studied for. <laughs> I had no, to go not back really. and get a whole extra, extra I mean, degree. This me, concept, so. <laughs> what we're doing between like the podcast and running a site. And this is like a multimedia company that I think did not prepare us at all to run but i think in theory that's kind of what they were hoping for like this multimedia communication this is communications i'm 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 really excited to be here because like i don't do typical comm stuff like we studied in my day-to-day but the few times that i've gotten to record podcasts i love to do it i've never really done one that i put out regularly last summer actually in the pandemic a few friends and I did a James Bond podcast that we didn't put out. We just recorded for ourselves and uh, it was called the Martini Police and maybe one day we'll do it. But um, <laughs> that's just that was our like little lockdown um, pet project. So uh, I, I love being on podcast and recording stuff. So I'm really excited to yeah, be here. So we're happy you're here. Yes. First episode with the new name and the new logo. We have a, a good guest on here. We're going to be talking about 007 himself, James freaking Bond. Mr. Bond. James Bond. And Bond himself is known for his drinks, and that's what part of this show is about. So I wanted to go around the table and see what, what's everyone drinking today now that we have this new name. We're not boxing ourselves into just whiskeys today. So what, what do we have on the table today, guys? Yeah, well, I broke the tradition uh, first, I think. And since uh, <laughs> since we're discussing James Bond, I think it's only natural that I drink martini tonight. So I made myself a Vesper. Uh, so fe- for people who actually watched Casino Royale nice. in 2006, uh, it's the original recipe that Daniel Craig orders at the bar when he's playing poker. So it's a really, really strong drink. So I'm trying <laughs> to sip it and not like drinking uh, drink yeah, we, it. Like we have a, a long show. We don't oh, want you yeah. sloshing it by the end of it. <laughs> exactly. No, I want to survive for the whole hour and a half. But um, so basically, it's three measures of Gordon's gin. Um, I didn't have Gordon's at home, so I took another gin that I had on my on my bar. Um, what did you take instead? I took. Um, it's called the Tuya Gin. It's from New Brunswick. I went to Ooh, a little Canadian girlfriend. spin. It's a, a little Canadian, Canadian spin on a yeah. Vesper. It's a Canadian spin on Vesper, so it's a, a nice, uh, a nice. I wouldn't say like herbal, fruity, Vesper. <laughs> fruity gin. It's it's okay. It's it's pretty good. Um, and you add this uh, one measure of vodka, one measure of white vermouth. Um, in a movie they call Lille or like white Lille. Um, yeah, I don't think they make Lille anymore. I think no, that, I think do. I tried to look for it. Oh, they do, but ACQ, it's different. It's a different recipe. It's a it's different bottle, original. I think. It's yeah. not the original Lille, but it's still, I, it's called Lille, but I think it still works. Um, so I'm taking this, you shake it uh, on ice, like in a shaker, uh, because it's shaking, not stirred. Ha <laughs> ha, of course. Uh-huh. And uh, you have, you added a, sl- a slim slice of lemon peel uh, in the drink, and that's it. You have your Vesper Martini. I think it's really good. It's just really strong. That. <laughs> <laughs> so that's what I'm drinking. Uh, what about you, Alex? What are you drinking? Well, I had originally, I'm not, you guys are bigger whiskey fans than I am. And I was originally going to try and just have some of the Jameson's that I have at home, which is probably blasphemy on this podcast. But in the spirit of James Bond, I'm just having a, a Heineken. Um, you know, the, I'm a corporate chill. I'm just drinking some of that Daniel Craig advertising money. It, but That uh, advertisement is actually really cool. So that, that, that recent one they just put out, it's yeah, really yeah. good. It's actually really if, good. If so. I was, if I was truly a, 
I, I, I really like the Bond novels as much as the Bond books. I haven't read them all, but I've read a bunch of them. And if I was going to go the literary route, I would drink some black coffee and some scrambled eggs and a real hearty breakfast because Bond in the books loves his breakfasts. But there we go. For now, it's just knowledge Heineken. right out of the gate. <laughs> yeah. And sometimes it has a decent steak for supper or something like that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And he'll eat at yeah. weird times. He'll have like a whole yeah. breakfast at like three in the morning. I mean, That's when you're true. on like a crazy mission, breakfast can be as soon as the job's done, right? He's not doing nine <laughs> to five. No, he's not. No. What about you, Sean? What's what do you have in front of you? I am drinking some rum today, but I'm this particular rum. It's El Dorado 12. It reminds me a lot of whiskey, actually. Um, when you think of rum, I think a lot of people think of I'm going to have like a rum and coke or something like that. And they use it as a mixer. But this particular rum is actually aged in oak barrels not unlike whiskey and it's been aged for 12 years inside of those barrels and it it honestly it smells like rum it tastes like whiskey to me uh, it's got a very light <laughs> fruity flavor you'd say it's it. undercover yeah so it's, it's kind of like the best of both worlds uh it's actually surprisingly affordable too i think for canadian dollars you're paying 36 to 40 dollars for a 12 year old bottle of rum that tastes really well. There's no burn going down. It's very smooth. It's, it's very fruity, but with a, just a small note of spice as, as it goes down the hatch. So it's a very nice blend, and uh, I would encourage anyone to try it out. It's El Dorado 12. The 15 is also pretty good, but I think it's like 20 extra dollars, and it's not that different overall, I would argue. Mm. Like well, If you can get the 15 on sale, definitely get the 15, but for a 12-year-old, like definitely worth the purchase um as i told sean before the recording I'm, I'm glad that he brought rum in in the game because i'm i usually use rum only for cocktail and for mixing but but i can't i can't seem to stomach it on its own and i want to so i think it's a nice uh, i want yeah, you to be my jedi master yeah. in that in that field and uh, i'll try to learn the ways of the rum yeah because i think <laughs> if you try to have like captain morgan straight up like drinking it socially it's not the same but like no one can see this here, but I can just hold this up and show you guys. This particular drink looks like scotch or whiskey. It has an amber. It's pretty clear. Yeah. Color to it. Do you uh, it do you have a scorpion to put on the back of your hand so that when you finish your drink you can catch it in the glass? <laughs> no, but I, I do have a the scorpion. Is CGI figure. though? It was all faked. <laughs> There, there you go. go. There we go. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I have a little like Bulbasaur right on my my office over here. It keeps me company. All right, so we're we're not talking Pokemon though. We're talking about James Bond. Pokemon, and I yeah. think it's safe to say that we're all pretty big fans. Yes, in in oh, some yeah. way, shape, or form, these movies have been with us probably since our childhoods. I want to assume third grade oh, yeah. for me. Yeah, yeah, I would say probably third grade as well, give or take. I know it's a there's a lot of movies and it's hard to guess, but just to start it off, what do you think was your first Bond movie? Oh, I know. I know. Yeah. I know as well. <laughs> okay. It's not, I can't think too hard. I know pretty much. But Alex, right. uh, in the theater or, or seen at all? First, first, you, first. Your first one, like your first, first introduction experience. to James Bond. Well, I, it's actually kind of embarrassing, but my first introduction to James Bond, I think it's probably similar for a lot of people our age, but it was the GoldenEye video game. And I remember I got it probably <laughs> for my birthday in like second grade or something like that. Way too young to be playing that GoldenEye video game. And uh, I remember just fall. I think when you're a kid and you watch James Bond, you really fall in love with the action. You really like the guns and the shooting and that stuff. And as you get older, you you more interested in the uh, 
the class and the and yeah. the the traveling and the the moments between the action. So the I suits, remember the romance, the the exoticism. Yeah, exactly, of exactly. Yeah. It becomes all of that. But I know what mm-hmm. you mean. At the very beginning, becomes. I, th- I think you just action. start to romanticize a vacation as you get older. You're like, oh man, that would be so sweet to just go and sit in a fancy hotel which but, is um, why it's almost a little <laughs> sad sometimes when he goes to these more less inspired locations you're like no 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 go back to the, the exotic location that's part of the fun yeah. of it uh so, so yeah, my, yeah my introduction was the golden Eye video game and uh i remember playing a lot of that and then seeing the movie after playing the video game golden i was the first one but i saw it at home um and my first Bond movie I saw in the theaters was actually Die Another Day, I think. I don't think I went to see World Is Not Enough in the theaters. No, I know I didn't go see World Is Not Enough in the theaters. It was Die Another Day. But I consider my first Bond movie in the theaters to be Casino Royale because that was just a next level experience. And we can talk. I'm sure we'll talk about Casino Royale. We're going to be talking about all sorts. I just wanted to get that out there. For me, my first in the cinema as well was Die Another Day. But my first Bond experience, because my dad would always rent the Bond movies for me to watch. It's always and dads. I can't. Re- it's <laughs> always dads. dads. I can't honestly remember which one it is because there's there was just so many concentrated at the same time. But it was either Thunderball or You Only Live Twice. Well, that was my first Bond. Interesting. Oh, you yeah. started early so started on with the Connery. Sean Connery era. Yeah, yeah I started okay. with Connery. I know that for a fact. I just can't remember which one it was. But. Even as a kid, I didn't find them boring at all. Like they're, they're way less action heavy than the, the current ones, right? But like I was in, I was I was hooked. I wanted more. And from that point, it was at the same time when the Pierce Brosnan ones were coming out. So I saw the other ones at video, out of order. I wouldn't watch them in order. And then by the time I was in grade six, that's when Die Another Day came out. And I was like, the 20th Bond movie's coming out. Like there I am, 12 years old or 11 years old fully aware that it's a 20th anniversary Bond movie. And I'm there, like, putting Bond posters on my locker at school. <laughs> True story. It's funny. Yeah. Um, mine's it, it, funny. It goes in the same same way as Alex, because um, me too, my first Bond was Goldeneye uh, on VHS that my, my, my dad showed me in 1998 i want to say so it was three years after the release the world is not enough did not come out yet um so my first bonnie theaters with this die another day as well so it's funny because we're all part of the same generation and we lived except maybe for you sean we we like started with the sean connery era but we all had that cinema experience with die another day in 2002 so i think that's why just too young to see world is not enough yeah probably our parents were like well we'll let you watch them at home but maybe we won't go see this one in theaters. It was PG thirteen, I think. Uh, yeah. in theaters, Six, sixth so, yeah. grade, maybe. Would we have yeah. been like sixth grade? I was for sixth die another grade day. For sure, for die yeah, another so that day. makes sense. I think. Yeah, and there was a cinema right across the street from my place, and I remember just going to cheap theater. It was like four bucks for a movie ticket back then. Went to go see it, and I'll just get this out of the way right now because we're going to be talking James Bond all day. But except for the ending and for. Halle Berry's portrayal of Jinx. I think Die Another Day is a criminally underrated Bond movie. Oof, I, I wouldn't go as far as saying like underrated, but uh, there's a couple of I, cool stuff in it, but I wouldn't a, say it's a, a good film. There's a lot of cool stuff in Die Another Day. I particularly <laughs> yeah. like the diamonds encrusted into his face as a visual yeah. motif of the villain. Uh, I like the idea of this uh, sleeper agent working for the North Koreans 
uh, I like all the little winks to all the previous movies. It feels kind of gritty for a, a Daniel, not a Pierce Brosnan era movie. And then it just kind of goes off the cliff at the end and becomes incredibly cartoony. But I think with the exception of that electric gauntlet finale, the the overall movie of Dying of the Day, I think, is overlooked because of how ludicrous other portions of the movie are. Yeah. I, th- I think mm. my feeling of Die Another Day, and I remember seeing it in theaters as a kid and not loving it. I remember it, it didn't blow me away like I like Goldeneye did when I watched it at home. Um, I think I remember Die Another Day being a little too... It definitely dragged too much at the end for me, and it didn't hold my attention as much as I wanted it to. But also, I think it was a little too silly, and I remember not liking... I, I always really like when Bond... Um, does like on the ground spy stuff which i think is why i like casino royale so much spoiler alert that's casino royale is my favorite movie let alone bond movie um but i found die another day gets a little it it was definitely doing i'm not going to say that specter was on the level of die another day but i think they were doing similar things where they were trying to reference old bond plot points and they built a skeleton out of these ideas of you know bond goes to a lair and has all these gadgets and die another day especially if you watch it now there's so many references to old Bond. Like I think there's a reference for every all the other 19 movies. Yeah, it was yes. definitely meant to be a celebration of the whole series up to that yeah, point. And for like the some 20th. of it worked, some of it didn't. And just even the ideas, like the invisible car was extremely eye-rolly. <laughs> that didn't really work it for me. But I, I really like the Bond villain in that one. Mm. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, I don't want to be completely. I don't want to completely disagree with all you just said. But I mean, of course, I did like it as uh, as well when I saw it f- like in theaters because I was too young to really see like all the the the, the negative stuff or like the it's where the movie failed. Actually, I, I didn't. I wasn't mature enough. I just enjoyed the action and whatnot. So I was blown away by the jaguar and the Aston Martin on the ice lake in Iceland and whatnot. So I think that's what. The, those are the images that I remember the most out of the movie. Uh, but more and more that I revisit it, I'm just like, oh, there's nothing, there's nothing much of value in this film, to, to be honest. I mean, I wish, <laughs> I wish it had, but um, it's so cartoony and so like tongue in cheek, pretty much all, every single way. And maybe after Cuba, the, the Cuba scenes, uh, when he comes back to London and he tries like fencing with Madonna. Now everything after that, it falls apart. But At the beginning was blood. fine. <laughs> the beginning was fine. I wouldn't say it was great. I would think it was fine. But when they go to London and they go to Iceland, now it falls apart. But uh, yeah, I think I'll as a kid, I liked it because I didn't know better. Um, I think as a kid, I, I, I went to see it and it was just more James Bond and it felt like playing the Golden Knight video game. You know, it's Pierce Brosnan running around yeah. shooting people. I think it's the stuff. perfect movie to see when you're around 10, 11, mm-hmm. 12 years old. Like you're not yeah. looking for these faults. You don't understand. I do remember North not Korean liking. Angle. I do remember not liking the genetic stuff. And I'm a little worried that that might be a direction they take no time to die. But I don't like the idea that they, you know, genetically change this guy. Like when it gets too unreal. I think Bond always suffers from a thing where... They start low to the ground and then they get sillier and sillier and sillier as the actor progresses in the series. And it's happened with all of them, really. Like, yeah. Um, and Die Another Day is no exception to that. Mm-hmm. I think the ending of that movie is perhaps one, it's one of the silliest for sure. I don't know if it's basically the silliest. I mean, yeah. yeah, that's what came to mind right away. I was like, it's definitely one of the three silliest endings for sure. I don't like when Bond is a superhero. That's that's mm-hmm. my least favorite movies are when Bond is a superhero. My favorite movies are when he's a spy. Um, yeah. 
Yeah. yeah. Well, because we're yeah. talking about Brosnan right now, uh, and we all grew up with Brosnan as the introductory chapter cinematically, theatrically as well. Uh, if you had to pick one, which would be your favorite? Oh, out of Brosnan? Yeah. Uh, I wouldn't pick Goldeneye, uh, yeah, but me, yeah, me we're going to launch an interesting debate if we debate this. But yes, um, if I would pick one, I would pick The World Is Not Enough on my end. Uh, Goldeneye just after... Okay, so Tomorrow Never Dies for you? Okay, so we me. have three. <laughs> three different answers. Oh, so three I want to go around and uh, figure out why. I like it. Uh, Alex, why Goldeneye? Um, so... Pierce Brosnan, I think, is the Bond actor who seems like he had the most fun playing James Bond, sometimes to the detriment of his um, acting. But I think with GoldenEye, uh, why do I like GoldenEye? I think it's because it was the first one. Also, because I think it's the most it's a little bit of a, of a superhero story, but he, he definitely does a lot of spy stuff in that movie that I really appreciate. I love the scenes of Valentin when he goes and meets him in the cafe. I like when he goes and makes contact with his whole network of spies. Um but I, like I also Sean think Bean in that movie, that <laughs> how it was described, yeah, Sean Bean is an excellent villain. That is definitely a huge part of it for me. But I think GoldenEye is a very serious movie, but James Bond is, James Bond is known for making these quips, right? He'll make these jokes. And in GoldenEye, it feels to me like Pierce Brosnan is like, sorry, James Bond is making these jokes and these quips, but not for the benefit of anybody but himself. It feels mm-hmm. like he'll make little jokes to try to make himself laugh while he's on this mission. But I just generally like the look of it. I also same director as Casino Royale, so yeah, that's Martin definitely Campbell. a big Martin Campbell. Martin is a Campbell. Big, yeah. um, that's a big reason for it. I think. I, I I think it's the most beautiful of them. I like the places they go to. Um, yeah, I, I also like. I don't really dislike any of the Pierce Brosnans. I, I'm not crazy about Die Another Day, um, but yeah, I think if I had to choose, it's going to be Goldeneye that I would watch again. Die Another Day is definitely my least of the four, but I, I quite mm-hmm. like. Tomorrow Never Dies. I, I, I like the concept of instead of this villain who is a physical threat, we have a villain who is manipulating events for monetary value through the media. And I found that so fascinating. It's mm-hmm. such a, that definitely is prescient. It's such an interesting take on a villain. He was ahead of its time because if we, we have that same plot t- uh, plot today, it would work perfectly well. Uh, and it was yes, criticized, it, I think, back in the day in 1997. But now it, it makes sense. Media moguls and the Trump era esque kind of yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah. No, how, it's, it's how totally to sell true. a headline. And then yeah. he said at one point he goes, uh, he's preparing the newspaper for the next day, and the headline says, "The Empire Strikes Back." And he goes, "It's great, isn't it? I didn't even come up with it." <laughs> <laughs> It's such a good line. There's a scene in Tomorrow Never Dies where he, oh, now I'm blanking on it, but he he goes and he um he impersonates a doc or he meets up with a doctor who's like a hitman kind of doctor. Yeah, Doctor Kaufman. Doctor yeah. Kaufman. Kaufman. I always wanted more of that plot line in in Tomorrow Never Dies. I thought that plot line was so interesting, and I it's kind of like um almost like a John Wick thing where I like getting these peeks into this worldwide network of spies in the shadows. Uh, I think Pierce Brosnan movies do a lot of that really well. Yeah, it's like. Um, oh, Fred, I'm, cur- I'm curious why World is Not Enough. Not to say I disagree my, entirely, but. That's my second favorite, to be fair. My, my answer is complicated because I think if you start 
to get into James Bond and you're listening to you're watching Pierce Brosnan movies, I, I wouldn't suggest to start with The World Is Not Enough. I would suggest to start with GoldenEye, Tomorrow Never Dies, and whatnot. Because I think that The World Is Not Enough is a really mature movie out of his four. I think that it's the, the, the one that's most mature, more serious. It's more gray. It's more dark. Mm -hmm. I think that's why I like it. I think the uh, opening of, scene right after the it's the best funeral, right? It, yeah, it's, there's a funeral right yeah. after the opening scene. But, but I think the opening scene, the opening credit, I think of all the Pierce Brosnan movies is the most exciting. I mean, the the, the boat chase on the River Thames, so awesome. Yeah, that's awesome. Pierce Brosnan nails it in the character in this film. He's really he's not joking around. He's not. I mean, he's joking a few times, but he's no. He's he's on the job. He's serious. Uh, he means what he does. Um, I guess Christmas came twice this year. It, it did <laughs> came twice that year. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, that's a good final final quote <laughs> yeah. for the film. Um, he feels like he's he's his um like his Skyfall Bond almost, where he's, he's kind of been on the job for film. a while. Yeah, yeah. and he's kind of weary. I like the relationship he has with Sophie Marceau's character, Electra King, because I don't think we had a character like this before in the series. Like that, even that where because the Bond after, girl becomes more villainous by the end, you mean? Yes, but also yeah. even that, I think that, well, spoiler alert, but she's the my, main mastermind of the film. She is. Yeah. That's not even um, Robert Carlyle's character is more of a henchman than anything. So yeah, I think that sure. that portion is extremely interesting. We never have seen this before. And She's I don't the know. Only I, female Bond villain, I think. Uh, well, they had a couple of henchwomen, like in the Sean yeah, Connery. No, but like eras, the main villain, but in the, the movie, main I'm villain, sure. yeah, I think she's pretty much the, the only one, and that's just for thing. Sure, yeah. yeah. And yeah, it's it's just that I think people are hating too much just because Dennis Richards is, is in it. But I mean, the rest of the movie, if you remove her, it doesn't change that much. She's not that much of an important character. And a lot of action sequences are really good. Um, the, yeah, the helicopter, helicopter scenes with the, the, with the caviar yeah. factory is great. The skiing scene is great. Um, the BMW Z8 is awesome. The opening scenes with the boat chase is great. I mean, everything is that movie like is okay. Is uh, not more than okay. It's awesome, and the script is pretty nice. But I mean, people keep forget forgetting it because of poor performances for some actors but it is the more mature of the Pierce Brosnan's films yeah. and I think that's why I like it so much but don't start with this one if you you want to discover Pierce as Bond start with GoldenEye start with Tomorrow Never Dies and try this one Watch third see order, if you like it I think yeah yeah I think order it might be a good way to go chronological speaking yeah because you if won't you be ready to choose five Bond movies to be required viewing for somebody who oh. has not seen Bond and they can only watch five. Well, you know what? I reserved that portion. <laughs> I reserved that yeah. portion for the end of the show. But I mean, if we want to discuss it right now and leave no okay. time today for the end of the show, I think we can do that. Yeah, we yeah, can, we so can swap. Um, What's the difference between recommending to someone versus your personal five favorites? Is yeah, there, that's true. Is there a difference or should there be a difference? I think there would be a difference because I think your personal five can be different than what you would consider required viewing and i think your personal is actually i think our, if we had to choose what we're gonna the five that we're gonna show somebody we're probably gonna say similar ones but i think your favorite ones might be a more interesting question um, but my answers would be different though because i yeah, do understand too. that I, uh, there's a lot of bound movies that are not in my top five of course but i would sometimes recommend them because they the perfect example that comes to mind is goldfinger like goldfinger is not in my top five me but neither i think yeah, that's 
if you had to start, like, to someone doesn't know shit about James Bond, they say, okay, bring me, like, show me something. Show me a Bond film uh, that I will like, that I have everything I, I need to understand a character, understand the world of James Bond. I think one of my first choices would be Goldfinger because it has a lot of... I think it well, it's brought... Well, like, it's like quintessential Bond. It's a... Kint, kint, uh, t- oh, pff, I'm having issues with that word, but it yes. established <laughs> the formula. It was the first one to really do the formula perfectly. Yeah. It did, yeah, because it brought the gadgets, it brought, I think, the maniacal henchman. villain, the henchman. Um, you expect me to talk? No, Mr. Bond, I expect you to die. Yeah, and... Classic lines. But funny thing is that it's not in my Entirely top five. dubbed, eh? Gerd Frobe. Entirely, mm-hmm. yeah. Entirely <laughs> dubbed. Uh, no, it's funny. And you, you can totally tell it because his voice is, sounds so weird. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it's not in my top five. And I think it's the same for you because out of the Sean Connery, or they call it like the golden era of Bond, I think it's one of like Sean Connery's lesser films, to be honest. What if we pick a favorite from each actor? Oh, we okay. can do that. Yeah. Okay, go first, Alex. Maybe you can Well, that's, that's how I probably would... Um, <laughs> that's probably how I would organize my favorites anyway, I think, because I think each Bond brings a different thing to the table. Um, and I like I like Pierce for being my the, the James Bond that we got introduced to in the first place. I like Pierce Brosnan for being, you know, very nice, very... Bond? No, Daniel yeah. Craig is my favorite Bond, without a doubt. Um, and I think Daniel Craig is the closest, actually, to the Bond in the Fleming novels. I think that if I you read the books, yeah. he doesn't look like how he describes, but the way that he acts is very... He's a very dark person. Yeah. I think Ruffer. for a long time, in a lot of Bond movies... Okay, so, you know, we, we, we talk about these old Connery movies, and he's very problematic. He does some really terrible things to women he does some horrible things but they're also and and again i can go back and watch these movies now i don't have a problem with it but he um it's kind of glamorized whereas in the books he does all these things and there's racism and there's you know sexism but he's also not really idolized in the books he's not somebody you're supposed to look up to he's supposed to be this dark character and i think daniel craig nails that where he's you know you can love watching him but i think he's a very He's a he's a person that comes from a place of real darkness, and you're not meant to necessarily connect with that. Um, Whoa! Well, they is, heard is they don't like my burning? opinions. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's on my end. It's on my end, guys. Sorry. Yeah, there's a fire truck. <laughs> Go ahead. It's okay. Um, Sean Connery. I think my favorite is Doctor No, actually. And I didn't used to think that, but after rewatching all the Conneries, I think Doctor No is actually a way more exciting movie than than we remember. That um, is probably my second or third favorite Bond movie, and easily my favorite Connery movie as well. I think it's so incredibly, especially for the time, it's very grounded, down to earth, much more believable. Um. It feels close to almost like a Batman Begins approach mm-hmm. to Bond, but being the first one out of the gate, I, I like how it felt gritty for its time without being like dark and mopey about it. It was like, no, we're going to try to take this a little more seriously and we're going to have Connery and he's, he's charming, but he's also kind of ruthless in that one. 
And Dr. Yeah. No is really ruthless. It's like business yeah. first. It doesn't, it doesn't joke around. No. And I think there's a joke in, in, in this, like when I watch documentaries, is that, you know, the, the guy who plays Felix Slider in Dr. No, I think his name was Jack Lord. And he's really like suave, kind of cool, always relaxed. And I think I'm sure like Broccoli and Salzman, like they, they, they reached out to Sean Connery and said, you know what, Connery, like this guy, how he acts do this like this is how you play bond <laughs> yeah, you can definitely see the transition as connor's yeah. career went he became much more slick as yeah. the movies went on yeah but yeah. Dr. Dr. No is very fleming if you if you read the not not i haven't actually read the dr no book but the dr no movie um feels a lot more like the kind of live and let die book the live and let die book is really interesting we can talk about that if we talk about the books but um yeah the Dr. No feels very Fleming. He does. It has some of what would become that kind of big action set pieces, you know, with the crazy dragon tank and the villain's lair. But for the first at least half of the movie, he's just going around doing spy stuff. And and it yeah. reminds me of in Casino Royale when Bond um, hooks up with Solange and they're, you know, getting very intimate in her apartment. And then he f gets the piece of information he needs and immediately leaves. He leaves. Yeah. Which is doesn't feel like a very Bond thing, but in Doctor No, that's a that's very similar to the kind of stuff Sean Connery does in that movie. He, um, at one point, like he he's you know following this. I, I can't remember the woman henchman. Um, he's you know Ms. spending Tarot. time with her in Miss Tarot. Tarot. Yeah. yeah. Uh, he he basically is just using her to get the mission done. He's very mission focused, and I, I like that about Doctor No. Yeah, Sean, what do you, Sean, what would you be? No, if, uh, go ahead. You first. Your favorite Sean Connery, if you like era, era actor per actor. If you had to choose one Connery movie to recommend to beginners or just like movie fans overall, what would you take? For beginners, I would probably go with Thunderball because that's that was my beginner one. Like uh, Goldfinger, it's very Bond formula. Like it's got the bad guy, it's got the lair. And I have a hot take about Goldfinger. I sleep through Goldfinger almost every single time I try to watch it. I know it's important, There's, and I know it's... Well, you know how we're talking about yeah. exotic locales? It's, yeah. I find Kentucky, Kentucky to be boring <laughs> Yes, <balls>. exactly. That's <laughs> yes. A, that is probably why. Because the yeah. last half of the movie just takes place in, like, like the Bum states. Yeah. nowhere, Kentucky. But then yeah, it's true, the yeah. first half, like, you see the, the Alps, and you're like, wow, like, look at this vista. When, like, uh, the, the shots are being taken at him from above the road on the the highway there mm -hmm. like look at that vista it's amazing but yeah if i were to recommend i would probably start with thunderball but my favorite would be dr no interesting um you see i'll go the same way saying that my favorite out of the sean connery movies is thunderball as well because i think it's the most complete spy adventure that you have out of the very Connors. closely followed by rush from Russia you have Love, though yes, yes very closely. same for yeah. same for me but i think that thunderball you have everything you need out of the spy film from Thunderball. You have the fun, you have the mission, you have the, the seriousness of it, you have the, the woman, you have the exotic locations. Yeah. Thunderball the gives you, you everything, the, uh, plus the, kitchen, the, the kitchen sharks sink. and yeah. everything, the underwater <laughs> photography. It's A awesome lot of for what you see in Goldfinger yeah. and Thunderball would eventually become satired in Austin Powers. Yeah, no, pretty much. If, and we, if we're going to bring up Austin Powers, Austin Powers... Those people knew James Bond better than anybody else in the world. When you watch Austin <laughs> Powers and you know James Bond, it's like, oh my God, this is not it's making fun of James Bond. This is a love letter to James yeah. Bond in every single Random way. task. <laughs> <laughs> like, that, what a great name for Odd Jobs parody. 
random, random task. task. It's so good. <laughs> I didn't, you know what? Thank you for telling the joke because I didn't get it at first. It's been a while since I, fought, uh, <laughs> I saw the first Austin Powers, but it does make sense. Allow myself I, I to introduce myself. myself. <laughs> <laughs> like, my name is Richard Cunningham, and this is my wife, Oprah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I think I think for Connery, you kind of can't really go wrong because you get the whole spectrum. And again, the movies are very dated, but like he goes, to, they look great. I, I think the Connery movies are very colorful. They're still from that time where they were making things super dark and gritty, except for Diamonds Are Forever, which for a Las Vegas movie should be way more colorful. Um, yeah, Diamonds I, is I, fine. I don't love it, nor do I hate it. It's somewhere in the middle. It's the weird. Entire spectrum. It's yeah. weird, but I don't hate it. I think I, I like it for all the right, the wrong reasons, but it's it's okay. I don't dislike it. I think I respect it for what it is. It's probably my least favorite of the Connery movies. Uh, pretty of, much of, for everybody. Of the, I think. Of the yeah. canonical Connery movies, I should yeah. say. I think it's not to say it's bad, but it's hard to... <laughs> It's Compared to, to the it's others, not, it's 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 hard to place it above any others. But yeah, to finish my point, Thunderball for sure has my favorite ones, and maybe I would like put in yeah, Goldfinger to for beginners. But again, I do understand what you're saying about that. The second part of Goldfinger to be a little uneven because it's yeah, it's a little weird because you everything about the first half of Goldfinger is really exciting. Everything works perfectly, mm-hmm. and then you arrive in Kentucky and it's like. Oh, okay. Nothing Everything comes to happens. Like a, yeah. A grinding halt, the record scratch happens, and you're like, uh, But what it's still happens? great. I mean, just for the first half of Goldfinger, you have everything you need out of the Bond film. So I would say still watch this one out of the first one of Connery. Uh, but it's it's hard to pick and choose because the four, the four fir, the, the first four of Connery are uh, absolutely amazing. I mean, it's hard to compare them because they're all really good. I, I would say, like, watch all four. You, you'll love them individually for sure. Um, once you only leave twice arrives, now it's it's another it's a little card. rockier. It's, it's a little ball game. It's, it's certainly it's watchable, little, but it's you can notice things aren't as good as it used to be. Rough third act. It's too, I, yeah, I think it suffers from the James Bond yeah. third act problem where it gets yeah. a little slow. Yeah, and Sean Connery didn't didn't like playing in that one. I think he was like you can see is in, in his acting. He didn't he didn't want to be there. He got mobbed f- when they went to Japan. Have you guys seen the documentary, the Everything or Nothing documentary? No, no, uh, I, a while back I think, but maybe mm. you can. They, they talk about when they were shooting it. They went to Japan, and the Japanese public were just swarming every single shoot that they were doing, and like there was never mania, any moment. But Bond mania. Yeah, like I think they talk about one story where Connery was in a bathroom stall and kind of like in Goldeneye, like he looks up and there's like a like a Japanese paparazzi taking photos of him. Yeah. <laughs> um, so he, and he wasn't very happy at the time either because they were kind of, you know, they they definitely were not compensating him what he probably should have been. Yeah. Like he, I know he had true. a contract, but you know, they weren't paying um, him enough. Like. And we can't really uh, talk too much about Lazenby going beyond that because all, well, all I want to say about Honor Majesties is that I I like that movie a lot but i think and I, I don't dislike george lazenby but i think that story is just i would have loved to see connery's bond get to t- get to tell that story because that's a very personal story and it kind of caps off his whole arc 
And if Connery had gotten to play Bond in that movie, it would have been really interesting, I think, to have that oh, character go through that. I completely disagree yeah. with you, man. It's really? funny because really? I think that Connery wouldn't be able to pull off the job mm. that Lazenby did in that film because Connery is not too, a sentimental uh, actor, like, to be honest. I think we never really saw him, like, a sentimental, even if, like, in his later films. I think that at this stage in his career in 69, I think he wouldn't be, he couldn't have been able, I don't think he was able to pull off the job of a sentimental Bond in Honor Majesty's Secret Service. So yeah. I'm not saying that Lazenby was a great Bond. I mean, he, he did it once. He was not really a seasoned actor before this. He did some commercials, but it's like a I model. think that he, <laughs> yeah, he was basically just a model. He didn't do much. Um, but I think that all in all, and I'm gonna, maybe I'm going to surprise a few, but Honor Majesty's Secret Service is my second favorite Bond film. I think wow. that it is phenomenal on... Actually, I mean, maybe sometimes people think it's a little slow, but I mean, the, the thrill of it, the, the, the spy stuff that you mentioned, Alex and Dr. No, it's all there in that film as well. He does a lot of spy stuff, but the romance is so heartbreaking. It's, it's great. Yeah, I mean, it works. The he, relationship uh, he between... Married. <laughs> you get married. Uh, the relationship with him and Diana Rigg, who plays Tracy Bond, is, is really good. Um, oh, almost my favorite Blofeld. Telly Savalas is my favorite Blofeld. He's a good And I know that's yeah. probably a hot take, but I think he's I think he's great in that movie. He's a little like street and Italian, but yes, he yeah. works <laughs> he works well in that film. But no, Honor Majesty's Secret Service is great. And I don't think Connery would have done a better job than Lazenby in terms of being emotional and invested in the character's feelings. I like Connery's too tough for that. For yeah, that, that, that it would have been movie. nice to see him like attempt it though. Like after all, this, yeah, like, like his character, hardship. less him, more his character getting to do that. Yeah, like, but, uh, could Connery's Bond after everything he's been through, after all that ruggedness and the assassinations, could that version of Bond have settled down for a bit and found love and a partner? Well, we'll never know. We'll, we'll never know, but it's a, it's a question <laughs> worth posing. Yeah. But it's a great, great film. Like before we jump to Roger Moore, I think like it's worth it's worth rewatching it. Some people will found it, but I think it's a great Christmas movie as well. If you want like yeah. a, a nice spy movie for Christmas, this is your pick. Uh, you mm. have a whole like scenes, a whole I think an old arc in Switzerland, which really resonates with Christmas time, and it's it's lovely. It's well filmed. I like that they well dub edited. him. I like that they dub him for an entire segment where he's a he's, undercover. Yeah, he's playing as, a, a Scottish. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. All right, Roger Moore. Now, Roger Moore era. What do you so think? So Roger, Roger Moore is my least favorite Bond. I'm just going to put that out there. Uh, I grew to like him. It's not. He's. I like his charm. I know that he's. He's. He's funny. He's. I mean, what's the. Uh, I think he's term? way too campy. Casual. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, campy. campy. I think he's way too casual about the role. But it still works. I mean, in a few depends films, on the movie. I think it depends two on the movie, but it still of works. Moore. You have yeah. the first half and the second half. Yeah, and I think the second half is where you find perhaps some of the worst Bond movies ever. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna say something that you guys are gonna throw me off the podcast for, <laughs> and this is not at all indicative of how I know I should feel. But my favorite Roger Moore movie is A View to a Kill. Oh no, man! Don't say that, please. That's that's blasphemy. I'm actually I'm, that's heresy. I, I won't. I won't make apologies for it. I okay, think. So why? Why? Uh, yeah, explain yeah, why? yourself. Why? Why, man? <laughs> so obviously he's very old in that movie, and that is a huge 57. glaring thing. Fifty-seven in that film. It's crazy. Yeah. Did you, speaking of his age, did you know when he started playing Bond, he was older than Connery was when he finished playing Bond? Yes. Yes. And Connery looks ancient 
when he finishes playing <laughs> um no i like a few to a kill because it's I, I think a lot of people make fun of it for being the silly one but i think it's got a lot of really wacky ideas and it kind of um goes off the deep end in a in a way i can appreciate but he also does some of that undercover stuff i like when he goes undercover as uh the guy who's trying to buy a horse at the auction um sinjin Smythe, and he's uh puts on this whole character but okay mate you know it's probably tied with live and let die but i used to say that spy who loved me was my favorite and i know that's most people's favorite roger moore movie but i think spy who loved me also suffers from a die another day specter problem of getting too lost in like the plot points and then getting a bit slow at the end of it um but view to a kill i find it feels it's not great but it feels original it doesn't feel like anything that happens in that movie happens in the other ones i think um no, uh, Goldfinger, man. There's a whole bunch inspired by Goldfinger. I mean, what he tries to oh, yeah? do with um, Silicon Valley, it's pretty much the same kind of That's true. plot that's that he true. wants to do that uh, Goldfinger wants to do with Fort Knox, I think. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, yeah, I don't wow, know. I, I, I really can't kill. justify it. I really can't justify it, but I've watched them all recently. Uh, maybe Fear Eyes Only I like better because it's more literary and it's a more Fleming novel bond, but... Uh, yeah. I think View to a Kill is like if I was going to put on a, a Roger Moore movie, it would be Live and Let Die or View to a Kill. Hmm. You know, I like Roger Moore. I'm realizing so now I like Roger Moore so a lot. They're so different from one another. <laughs> That's what's funny is like Live and Let yeah. Die and A View to a Kill, two different, so different movies. I think I think yeah. this is not, not that I'm saying it. I don't actually know if I can choose because I think every Roger Moore movie does its own crazy things and they're all really fun to watch even if they're not great movies, you know? For me, if I had to pick... And I would all like Roger Moore was never my go-to. Like if I had to pick any Bond movie, I wouldn't go for more. I remember during the lockdown, actually, I messaged you, Alex, and I was like, "Which one should I watch? What uh, are the Roger Moore ones or one of the Dalton ones?" And you're like, "Roger Moore, just just do it." Well, I think I think because you were asking for something that was more easy, I was just like Dalton. I love Dalton. I think Dalton's yeah. great. He's very literary Bond. Because yeah, I was asking, um, should I watch Living Daylights? I think or. I think View to a Kill. And you were like, a oh, View to a Kill, you have to do it. I probably said View to a Kill because I just think it's a fun Between movie to watch. this one and Living Daylights? Oh yeah. my god, we have so much to talk about. What so this I was just is. like, throw me your suggestion. Oh no, I don't get me wrong. I don't think View to a Kill is better than Living Daylights. That is not, yeah. I, I want this on the record. But I think I think at the time you were asking for something that was like a, I think I was just like, yeah, watch View to a Kill. It's a, yeah, it's a fun like, movie. I, I just want like an arbitrary Great suggestion. Great song. Uh, but if I were song. to pick a Roger Moore movie, just like whatever, like I'm, I know I'm watching a Roger Moore, I'm probably going to do... Uh, you only live. Not yet, wow, you only live, live and let die, or man with the golden gun. Really yeah. interesting. Yeah. Christopher Lee. Man. They're all fun. They're all fun. Yeah. They're, they're all Roger fun. Morris. I won't. Yeah, I won't say the contrary. I'm, they're all fun. Yeah. Um, I'll, also, I'll, live I'll, and let die has one of the best Bond songs. I would say. Yeah. Yeah. That, he, that I agree. Ro- Roger Moore had some of the best Bond songs for sure. Also, yeah. I'm not crazy about All Time High, but I know a lot of people like All Time High. From Octopussy. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's good. Yeah, I I have the boring answer. My my favorite of the Roger Moore is a Spy Love Me because there's a lot of there's so much good stuff in there. Um, and I'm not hundred percent on board with what you said, Alex, when saying that the the movie doesn't wrap up correctly. The third, the, the last third, the final submarine uh, fight, like in the, in a boat, and after that he goes back to Atlantis to save the girl. It, it it's really nice. Um, everything in that movie. I mean, the the way it's shot. Uh, the production design with everything regarding underwater scenes, the romance with this, the the Russian agent, everything feels right, and it's 
Also, spy uh, looks like a spy adventure. Like they go to Egypt, they go to Sardinia. Egypt scenes are really cool. I like the Egypt yeah. scenes yeah. a lot. It's more of a an adventure quest movie. Yes, but yeah. it works fine. Like as a Bond film, it works fine. It is a little crazy on some points, a little campy sometimes, but not as much as A Man with the Golden Gun. The Man with the Golden the man with the golden gun <laughs> and a view to a kill. I do love but, I love when Bond shows up with an army at the end of a movie I love when Bond yeah. is able to call in the cavalry yeah. and he shows up with guys to help him you know I think it's at the end of <laughs> he runs like a prison he break that. <laughs> yeah and he's yeah. like yeah. where's your captain on their water army and they have that like yeah. battle with the harpoons yeah. in their water yeah I always, I always yeah. like when Bond is like actually being a commander and has a bunch of guys with him I don't want it all the on, time on but I appreciate note, it when it happens did you see that Daniel Craig was made honorary commander I, I did congratulations yeah, Daniel Craig congratulations to that commander bond <laughs> commander <laughs> officially commander bond that's officially true. commander bond commander craig yeah yeah Crazy. so that was a, a neat you know what i'm great, realizing that my trivia. my takes on roger moore it's it's tough because i think i'm actually least familiar with his movies even though i've seen i mean i've seen them all but i think i go back to roger moore the least yeah exactly um, i don't feel the need to go to roger moore when i'm in the mood for a bond movie i don't always go to roger moore but i go to roger moore when i'm in the mood for a roger moore bond movie if that makes sense that makes total yeah. sense it does. Yeah. It does. But I think that we, some people say, okay, he's only a fun bond. He's a clown. But if in some bonds, and I'm, I think I'm going to take for, for your eyes only as an example, he can be serious and he can be really like a menacing bond when he wants to. Yeah. It is it earlier it movies, it's evident of that. And as it yeah. pushed forward, it became way more out there. Campier, yes. But... In some t- sometimes in some movies, he can be really serious and really interesting. So I think we can still give him a pass for that because I do find him nice and fun and charming as well. I like his charm, like Roger Moore's charm, the way he speaks with women. He's really, I don't know, he makes like some some fun jokes, but they're really charming. They're really funny. They're really sensual. And that works pretty fine. I mean, that works well. Um, and some of the re- re- relationship he has with some of the Bond girls, I think I'm going to take Octopus is an example but the relation the mature relationship he has with the octopusy is really interesting i mean a seasoned bond with a seasoned bond girl they they had like their good youthful years at, like behind them and i think that's like a perfect chemistry between the two and that's why like octopusy was one of my f- worst bond films ever but i rediscovered it recently and i'm like oh this movie is actually not bad I haven't seen that in such a long time. But I, I give it a try. At least I, return I to, but everybody again. talks about it as being the give worst. Give it a try. It's not that bad. I mean, forget the whole clown thing and like him dressing mm. up as a gorilla and the Tarzan <laughs> yell. There's like, oh, some yeah, really that's good Cold War portion in Octopussy that that like are good. That makes everybody sense talks about it as being the worst. But I think it, you know, it's I've gone back to it the least out of any of the movies. I think. But I, it's not bad, Octopussy. It's, it's it's not bad. It's not te- it's not the best, but it's not it's not terrible. It's actually it's quite, no view quite to a watchable. kill. No, it's not view to a kill, Alex. <laughs> shame on you. <laughs> All right, Dalton. Bell. Shame, shame. Dalton. Now we go to Dalton with yeah, his two movies. I think Dalton was ahead of his time. I think he was. Far more grittier after the Roger Moore movies, and I don't think audiences were ready for it. He's the closest to the Bond in the novels, aside from Daniel Craig in yeah. Casino Royale, in my yeah. opinion. So the License to Kill movie is basically the Live and Let Die book, like the the plot line of the. Um, I think there's like an like fish that attack him. I, I get the plots in License to Kill and Live and Let Die mixed up, but Live and Let Die in the book, it, he go like Felix Leiter basically gets 
like almost killed um there is uh like a shark and like things that eat him and stuff like i don't i don't remember exactly i'm mixing up the book and the movie now but i remember license to kill is very similar to the live and let die book interesting i didn't read that book so i don't know but um i i at the time i wasn't too jazzed on the dalton stuff but i think as i've grown up i've not only grown to appreciate his rendition of bond but dalton as a character uh, as an actor outside of bond so when i was watching penny dreadful for example which was produced by sam mendes who does skyfall and specter i was like man like dalton is awesome and we were watching hot fuzz like once again dalton is awesome and it's just nice to see like yeah he was bond but i he, he's not like the actors who go like, I was James Bond. He's like, I did Bond. I've moved on it and I'm doing other things now. And I think he's a better actor for not sort of like relying on that Bond uh, boost. It's true. He was in Hot Fuzz. I kept forgetting, but yeah, yeah he, 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 he's a slasher of prices. I'm a slasher of prices. Yeah, he <laughs> runs like with the, I'm a slasher and I need to yeah. be stopped. It's like, what? I'm a slasher of prices. Yeah. For the greater good. The greater yeah. good. Yeah, like Dalton yeah. was amazing in that movie. And it's so separate from his take in Bond, in my opinion. And I'm like, I can't even see him in Hot Fuzz as Bond. Whereas when I see Pierce Brosnan, anything, I see He's, Bond. It's just James Bond, yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, I, I'm able to remove Dalton from the equation. And yeah. I don't know, I, I've appreciated his work later on as a result. I think that what, what plays against Dalton, he was only in two movies. So, oh. of course, that's not good for him. But one of those movies, one of the two, License to Kill, is not a great Bond film. I don't, I don't like License to Kill that much. It's, it's not, I find it too, like, 80s pop culture kind of movies, like, yeah, drug it was cartel, com- it was Miami to be, Vice. You know, it was trying to be those '80s action movies, and yeah, it didn't work. In the well. same way that Moonraker was trying to copy Star Wars, like Moonraker was totally a reaction to Star Wars's popularity yeah. at the time. Bond is always trying to reflect the things that are happening at the time. Um, yeah. I mean, even Casino Royale, you could argue, was just Batman Begins, but yeah, in a for sure. like mm-hmm. James but, Bond, and it definitely. paid off. But mm-hmm. yeah. yeah, I think a lot of things reacted to Batman Begins, and most of them didn't capture it the way Casino Royale did, but. We're getting ahead of ourselves. <laughs> Living Daylights is a good film, though. I have to say, like, I Living Daylights yeah, is Living actually a really movie. good Bond film. Solid yep. Cold War story. A little um, convoluted, but a really good spy story, I yeah. think, when you can... Like, would I recommend it to anyone as a first go-round? No, I no. would not. But You know what? It's funny, though, but last summer we were we were watching these movies again with our with our friend. You guys know John. And um, he had never seen a Bond movie before watching them. And, he, and I think Living Daylights was the third one we watched. And throughout the whole summer, I think we ended up getting through like 12 of them or something like that. And and Living Daylights was consistently his favorite movie. That's what really? it was of, of all the Bond did he say? Did you say why? Curious. I don't remember his exact thoughts. I, I think it's just because maybe we watched it early. I think we actually I think it might have even been the second one. I think we did. Di- we did them in a very weird order deliberately. But I think we did Diamonds Are Forever first and then we did what? Living Daylights. Yeah, I know. It's it a hard wake up. <laughs> yeah. Here's your introduction to Bond. Yeah, di- Diamonds Are Forever. Throw you in the deep end. <laughs> yeah. Interesting. But yeah, because yeah, of that. With and the I sharks am- with laser beams on their heads. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> but I be- sharks with laser beams on beams their head. heads. <laughs> but yeah, um, because of that, I'm I'm sad to say it, but I think 
Dalton is maybe the, the James Bond that I that this like least resonates with me. I think he sits at the bottom as at like as number six. And I hate to say this because he's not he's really not bad in the role. He's serious and he really got inspired but like in Fleming's version of James Bond in the book, as you said, Alex. But I think that like for his two like two movies, one of them is not too good. I think he didn't yeah, he didn't mark he didn't mark my mind as some like as a spectacular James Bond. He needed a little more to do with how, the character. Yeah. How, how would you feel it was about too low key. Dalton yeah. doing in my in the vein of my question before of Connery doing Honor Majesties? How would you feel if Dalton had got to do Goldeneye? I I think he would have been okay to do Goldeneye, but again, I don't want to piss on Pierce Brosnan because he was my James Bond. Yes, he yeah. was all Can't of us. So I, I I I really like <laughs> I him, think, and I I don't think Dalton could do Casino Royale because. Actually, but he could have done. I, th- did, he, I think Dalton could have done Casino Royale, but I don't think Dalton could have done Goldeneye. But I think that Dalton could have done Honor Majesty's Secret Service. Like yeah, I think he would have been, been phenomenal in that movie. That in that film. Yeah. I don't think he could have done Goldeneye. He he has the um he has Daniel Craig's um darkness, but he well. doesn't have Daniel Craig just perfectly does the physicality, the darkness, the broodingness, but also has. A sense of humor and a charm that doesn't go overboard and it daniel craig just does it perfectly and i think dalton is just a little lacking in the uh in the in the like the the like charm the and the levity yeah, yeah the charisma yeah, he's a little too serious a little bit so I we do all like agree, dalton but so we all agree that our favorite dalton movie would be living daylights right yes yeah, yeah, yeah for sure easily for sure <laughs> for everybody yeah. listening living daylights yeah. the other so, one at your at your own risk, but it's not it's not that great. Yeah. So we've already talked about Pierce Brosnan movies. That's how we opened up. So we're gonna actually make the jump right now to Daniel Craig. Yeah, and I would. S- this is I think we're. This is the movies we got our proper education with. I think we we grew up with this introduction with Brosnan, Connery, and everything behind. But this is when we're like, it's almost like this is our Bond, Daniel Craig. Because we were, I think we were seasoned viewers when Daniel Craig came around. So I think we had like a more like serious and like mature mindset about like like discovering and analyzing Bond. So I yeah. think that it works for us. We were at the also more time. cinephiles by the time it came yes. out as well. Like even yeah. in high school, I think by the time we knew that we liked movies more than the average person. Dude, po- poker was hot shit again after that movie. I mean, nobody was talking <laughs> yeah. about poker, and after that, everybody was wanted to play poker at like friends' parties and whatnot. So yeah, it's yeah. it's it's crazy. So I guess we'll just get it out the way because I'm pretty sure we're probably all on the same page. But Casino Royale, best of the Craigs. Uh, it's my favorite movie. It's, it's my, my favorite, favorite movie. movie. It's my favorite. No, it's it's. Movie. Casino Royale is my favorite movie of all time. I've probably seen it more than any other movie. And I know that's a crazy, I know that's a crazy take, but I I think all the Bond movies are okay, but a lot of them are good for Bond movies. And I think Casino Royale is not only the best Bond movie, but it's my favorite movie I've ever seen in my life. And I, I distinctly remember seeing it in the theaters. I remember, you know, like you said, Fred, we had a context for Bond when that movie came out. I remember hearing about them recasting James Bond. I don't remember having an opinion on Craig because, you know, some people said, oh, you know, you can't have a blonde, blonde James Bond. Bond yeah. I don't remember caring because I knew that they recast James Bond and I knew this was just something that they did. But, and I, I don't remember hearing much about Casino Royale before I saw it, but I remember, I think I was in like eighth or ninth grade and I went with my dad on a weeknight for school and uh, 
I just remember sitting and watching that movie and from the moment the theme song started until the end of the movie, I was like, I, I remember thinking, I hope this movie never ends. I, I distinctly remember thinking that sitting in the seat in the theater and saying, I hope this movie just keeps going forever because this is the best thing I've ever seen in my life. And it I know that's like, a, that's very of a Bond movie. I think, I think the chase sequence yeah, Sebastian the Meta, Madagascar. The Madagascar you don't have to agree with me. Anybody out there doesn't have to agree with me either. But for me personally, Casino Royale is if I've seen it so many times, it's like my happy place movie that I put on to just watch. I, I've, I've seen all the special features a hundred times. I, Does it yeah, still have the Guinness World Record for the most flips in one shot for a car? I don't know if it still has it. I know they got it, but I don't know if... It still has the record. The Aston Martin it. crash, yeah. Yeah, because I know it. I've seen that car. Yeah. I've seen the crashed Aston Martin oh, at yeah. the Bond where, in Motion where is it? Oh, nice. in London when I went in high school. They had a. Um, actually, no, it was when I went when I was living in Ireland. I went to London and they had a a Bond in Motion exhibit. And I remember going and walking around and they had all of the vehicles from the movies pretty much, and you could see almost every like the actual cars. And they had the destroyed Aston Martin, just a big clump of metal <laughs> up in one corner, but. They had yeah. to put that car on a ramp and then drive yeah. it onto the ramp in order to get it to flip the way they wanted to. And they were trying, they were trying to do it with a, with a, um, like a hammer, like a punch, like right. A, that like yeah, hits off the like ground. The cannon. Was, yeah. Yeah. But, but it, it wasn't work, working so they, for some reason. They got it off on the ramp and they weren't expecting it to flip as many times as it did, but <laughs> it did. <laughs> it did. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I, I adore Casino Royale. It's easily my favorite Bond movie. I, I love the opening sequence. So I think the chase sequence is heart poundingly amazing. I'm watching it. And even all these years later, it's like, it's white knuckle. The, the fight on the crane, knowing that it's stunt doubles and not just like a CGI sequence. Like they're actually up there on a crane. It's, it's mind blowing. And then they're doing the jumps between the cranes and you're like, what is this madness? You don't have to put your life in danger for my entertainment, but I'll take it at the same time because it's amazing. And while you're having these amazing action sequences, you're getting this incredibly nuanced story of the character who is flawed and a a newly christened assassin. And where's his place in the world? And where's his humanity? He has to question that at the same time. It's, It's so good. It's yeah. the I could most do a whole layered podcast bond has been. Just on Casino Royale. Yeah, I think it's the most layered bond has been for sure. Like it's the most human version of Bond. The, the, also, the, the Bond Le personal awesome. story. Yeah, Lashif is an amazing villain. The the actual story, Lashif is just trying to get money to pay off some warlords. It's not mm-hmm. like a world domination story. It's not something like a giant space laser. It is a very simple story. <laughs> and the stakes feel higher than in almost any other movie. Now like Like he's desperate. Um, I, I could talk about Casino Royale for six hours, so I want to hear Fred's thoughts because we haven't heard from Fred. <laughs> Fred. No, because I'm not sure I, if I should speak because you won't, you 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 guys won't like me. Well, you're gonna say <laughs> it's a, no. It's, any you're say any Skyfall, right? <laughs> liking any Bond movie is is good. There is yeah. no <laughs> bad opinions when it unless it is I don't like James Bond. <laughs> no, no, yeah. no, of course not. Uh, Casino Royale for sure is in my top five. I think it sits at number four. Um, I, I agree with everything you just said. That being said, <laughs> for personal reasons, my favorite James Bond movie and my favorite out of um, Daniel Craig is Skyfall. Uh, for many reasons. Third favorite Bond movie. Very respectable. Yeah, yeah. it's like, Skyfall it's up is there, amazing. No 
best cinematography think, of any Bond movie. Yes, that yes. that's one of the reasons mm-hmm. why yeah. I like it Roger so much. Deacons. But yeah, Roger Deakins, uh, yeah. Blade Runner twenty forty nine. But yeah, I mean, I know that a lot of people will call me a heretic for saying that Skyfall is better than Casino Royale, but. I think it is for me as a cinephile, somebody who studied in, in, in film like you guys, this movie is just shot perfectly. The, oh, the, there's no the doubt movie about is that. beautiful. The fight sequence l- in uh, Shanghai when it's all silhouetted against the glass in the blue. And oh. the music, the pairing with the oh, music works goodness. so well. But also I like... Bond's arc in this, I think, even better than Casino Royale. I like the fact that okay, we start off. He's a season like agent. He's on a mission. He gets like blown off on a bridge. He loses all faith in like what he believes in, like in MI6, in his like um, in his, his legacy, in his, 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 his call calling to to England, to his responsibility, to his nation, and whatnot. He's he he does like his training. He fails. He doesn't even succeeds. Like. You were talking about James Bond not being a hero, Alex. I think that that's like the most represented, like that you can see that James Bond is not this a is hero. Like He's James actually Bond a loser. Deconstructed. That James Bond deconstructed, and the guy is just a man, not a superhero. Is in Skyfall. I mean, the guy is drinking too much. He like. He, he's drinking McAllen 18, I think, in like three or four times in the film. Drinks Heineken. He doesn't care. He fails it, his test. He has goes the, by the, the shot near the beginning where he's doing the drink with the scorpion on his hand. Almost as if he yeah. has some sort of death wish. Yeah, totally. And he yeah. goes the against job, a villain. The job has gotten to him at that point. Yeah. The, the, the job has gotten he's to, broken him. Man. to him. He's a broken man. He doesn't know what he's supposed to do. He doesn't know he has a purpose in life, and he just he just waits. Basically, he goes around. He goes against a villain he's unprepared for. I mean, like super intelligent, way more than him. I mean, for sure, like you can't. He can't match Sylvan intelligence and how to being prepared. Like I think it's almost pure luck that he was able to beat him at the end because like the guy is like out of this world. He's like you know what I will unbeatable. Say about both Casino Royale and Skyfall. Casino Royale. Yeah. Best Bond girl, uh, Vesperlin, but yes, Skyfall, in my opinion. second best Bond girl, M. Best villain, probably. Uh, well, Silva? I don't know. If, yeah, in a top three, I think, for sure. Yeah, Silva is M really in, an interesting villain. M in Skyfall, I would say she is one of the best characters in all of Bond. In, in, that in Skyfall, I, I think, yeah. Um, yeah. Her, we, we can yeah, talk her portrayal about in Skyfall, no. specifically. I, I don't dislike Spectre. But I feel that... I just watched it a few days ago, actually. Yeah? I'm yeah. curious to hear your thoughts again, because I, I watch it, and I, I like it better each time I watch it, in the same way that I actually really like Quantum of Solace a lot more than I did when I first saw it. I think Quantum of Solace is a great movie. Um, but I consider Casino Royale Quantum and Skyfall to be a pretty much perfect trilogy for that James Bond character. I think you see the beginning, and then it you see you don't see everything that happens in the middle, but Skyfall, you see what is what it comes to and where it... And, and, Silva is is a great Bond villain because he's a perfect foil for Bond. He is representative of everything that Bond could become if Bond, almost like if Bond succumbed to the dark side, you know? Mm -hmm, Like, Silva is the temptation of what that life can do to you. Um, Yeah, I would say so, but even more so, I think, saying that he's... he's, Yeah, you can say he's like the intestis, like the complete opposite of Bond, but I think he's even more like of a menace and a threat because I think he's better than Bond. And you don't want it, like, he's not telling it. Well, I think he's saying it like when 
like during a, um, a scene like when he introduces himself like in the huge computer room to, yeah, to Bond who's like on a chair says like I, I'm, I was like a much better agent than you than you than you are or something like that and you, you're starting to believe it because he's always ahead of Bond and Bond at the end is like okay if we need to beat this guy we'll we'll try to think differently and we'll we'll draw him somewhere that we want him to be because yeah, we can't stop him otherwise Otherwise, and I think that's why the, the ending of Skyfall is so great I mean like the fact that he we go back to his roots we know where he, where he comes from um and again he's just like an orphan he's just a normal human being i mean his parents died he was sad when he was young he was depressed um and i think that we we like him as a dark damaged human being for that and that he was pure luck that he was able to 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 kill the bad guy and he's failed against in saving M. She dies at the end. Spoiler yeah, alert. Yeah, Silva gets away with Sil- <laughs> yeah, Silva with wins. Pretty much everything in the movie. Yeah. Yeah. It's and that's Silva's what's interesting like with Killmonger in a way. And that's what's interesting with Downing Craig as James Bond. Do you have the feeling that most of the time he fails at his mission? He doesn't even succeed. Like Casino Royale, he loses the money, he fails, the girl dies. She dies. Quanta- yeah. Quantum of Solace, he kind of succeeds, but I would say he, so- he succeeds and he seeks out vengeance for Vesper, but he learns about his conscience and decides that revenge is not the answer. So I think he comes yeah. out yeah. on top of that. Quantum, yeah. Quantum is an interesting one. I, I really like Quantum a lot. Um, I didn't like it when I first saw it. After seeing Casino Royale, like I told that story before of seeing in the theaters, I remember when Quantum came out and I got all my friends to go see it. I was like, we're all going to go see Quantum of Solace. And I think I actually fell asleep through part of it the first time I saw it because my expectations were so high after Casino Royale that nothing would have matched up, you know, no matter how the good the movie was. One of Quantum is, it's horribly edited. Well, it's they they had the writers edited, strike. Edited, yeah. That too. The, 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 the story wasn't... They, they fully admit that too. There's actually a new special um, you can go listen to. Uh, I think it was... I think it aired on Apple TV a couple weeks ago in advance of No Time to Die. And yeah. it's a special about the being Bond or something like that. And I watched it and they they full, they were very candid in that special about Daniel... Dan, they didn't have a finished script. Like, basically, like it was Craig the directors was and like... Dan, yeah, between takes. And he's like, yeah. I'm not a writer. I still think that movie has style. It has some great Felix Leiter stuff in it. I love Felix Leiter. He's one of my favorite movies and all the... One of my I favorite characters in all the, the movies. I era's uh, iteration of Felix Leiter. Yeah. Totally. You know what I like about the Craig, about Casino Royale and the Craig era is that when they rebooted the movie, now we're so tied up with the idea of cinematic universes. And I love that Marvel does that where they have a consistency. I love that with Casino Royale, they said, okay, we can't keep doing what we're doing. We have to do something to change it up and get it back to its roots. But they didn't just cut everything away. They kept the things that worked like Judy Dench. They kept um, the, you know, they, they looked at bond and what it was and they said, what works here and what doesn't. And they cut it away and they, brought it and yeah i think the craig movies are my favorites for sure i'll go back to them i I think i think the difference for me between skyfall and casino rail and it is a very close call because skyfall i think is also a phenomenal movie I think Skyfall feels more modern and Casino Royale feels more like an old Hollywood. It feels almost like a Sean Connery movie in its pacing and its editing and its cinematography. It's not trying anything particularly new with the cinematography, but what it does, it does really well. It's like a craftsman movie. It, it reminds me a lot of Dr. No in how simple yeah. it is. The colors, I think the colors go a long way for me. I'm, I mean, I, I draw and I do visual art. Yeah. And when a movie is colorful, I really appreciate it. I think that's why I also don't like Die Another Day very much is because for all the fun that is in that movie, it's, very it's a very gray movie. It's yeah. really and I, a grayish and I, movie, yeah. yeah. 
I know but, that doesn't bother some people. Those movies really get to me. And I remember there was a period in the 2000s where every movie was just gray and it really got to me and I didn't understand why at the time. And as I've gotten older, I start to realize that, you know, I love Marvel, even superhero movies were like this. They were all gray and bland and now they've color gotten colorful again. To be a little yeah. Flat. And even the colorful movies, they're not like, they're not popping with color. They have the color, but they're not in your face with the color. That's why everyone was yeah. talking about the Matrix for a resurrection trailer. So like, oh, look at all the color in the trailer. We can talk about that. I'm excited for that movie. I don't <laughs> yeah. know if it's going to be great. We'll, we'll bring but you back um, on uh, another uh, discussion. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Totally. That'll be a future conversation because that's coming out yeah. in December. But yeah, I, I rewatched Spectre a couple of days ago actually because my girlfriend hadn't seen it before, and we both have tickets to go see No Time to Die. So we're like, yeah, you, sh- you should probably see that one. She's like, yeah, a lot I, of I, she loves Skyfall. That's her favorite Bond movie. It, I'm happy to hear that. (laughs) Uh, So we watched that one and she was like, it's fine. There's nothing inherently wrong with Spectre. And I'd agree there's nothing inherently wrong with it. It's just incredibly familiar considering how bold Skyfall was. Not just that. I think that a lot of James Bond aficionados say that Daniel Craig's worst film so far is Spectre. And I always really disagree because I think that Spectre is a better directed film than Quantum of Solace. I don't know if Alex agrees, but I think that Sam Edis did a better job than Mark Foster did. He also has that great opening shot where it's just the long take. One of the the best cold opens in the whole series. One of the best cold opens in the whole series, for sure. That Day of the Dead. Yeah, the action sure. sequences in Spectre are quite good as well. Not, well, I mean, I wouldn't say the, the car chase in Rome, which is a little boring, but I mean, everything in Austria. There, there's a uh, few Austria. shots of the car chase that's pretty solid. Like when he yeah. goes right in front of the, the Vatican in front of St. Peter's, there's a shot where the camera's sort of like tracking the church as it's tracking the cars. And it's yeah. a very exceptional shot, but it needed no, more of that. It's true. Um, and I mean, the, the whole segment in Rome is not bad. Austria is good as well. When they go to Morocco, then it's something else. But there's a train fight with Dave Bautista that is Great. really good. In the, yeah. in the grand tradition of James Bond train fights. Yes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I wish Following they used more from Russia with love. Because he was such yeah, a me too. menace. I remember when they announced he was going to be in the movie and they kind of showed that first publicity shot of his of his character. And I was really excited because he's he's a great henchman, but he's not... He doesn't play that big of a role. And knowing how great he is as an actor now, because this was back when he was just a big, you know, a, a meathead. Yeah. And his knowing name, now his how he name. can act, yeah, Mr. Hinks. <laughs> yeah, they never actually say his name in the movie. No, no I would have liked true. to hear him yeah. actually talk, but, yeah. you know. Shit. No, he shit. <laughs> but he's, he's an example of how I feel about Spectre, where I, I like Spectre, but I feel like instead of getting the story perfect, they were a little more preoccupied with creating reference plot points to old James Bond movies. Like, Hanks is basically Jaws, right? Except instead of teeth, he's got nails. Yeah. Um, they go to a lair in the desert. He has, you know, the, the car sequences. They have the and train fight. And it's all great. But egregiously, they bring back Blofeld. How do we feel about that? I, and yeah. no. I, they didn't, I, I wanted... I'm fine. I love Christoph Waltz. He's one of my favorite actors. I love the idea of bringing back Blofeld. I don't love how they did it doing the the childhood that he's been in charge of everything i don't like the idea that blofeld's been pulling all the strings no i don't like how he played him i mean he's a great actor christoph waltz i mean we we know it because of the quentin tarantino films but i think that he (laughs) misunderstood the character and i think that that's not exactly how he was supposed to be um so the movie suffers for narrative reasons and the plot twists around like the relationship between blofeld and bond 
wasn't necessary it don't it doesn't lead to anywhere interesting um and it yeah it's it becomes a little more like cliche and just like the movie is not well written i think that's what the main sp- that's problem the main with specter is Sam is directing it and he did but the is is okay i mean the, the, it's not as well lit as skyfall i think specter but it's still well directed as a film as an action film it's still okay but I yeah like where it ended up by the end i like the idea of bond retiring to spend his life with someone that he's grown to care about i wish this person wasn't introduced halfway through the movie though it seems very True. abrupt like i met you yesterday and i'm willing to give up everything Well, you know what? Maybe you'll have some answers in no time to die. And that leads us to this portion, that final portion of the discussion, because it's only it's been an hour and 15 oh minutes, gentlemen. Oh, my gosh. So we Sorry. need to like discuss said, no to time rang. to die. When we talk James Bond, I could talk for hours yeah. and hours and hours. Yeah, that's why we, we wanted to just dedicate a whole episode to one topic as opposed to just, yeah, we'll, we'll give you 15 minutes over here. So, okay. so the movie to be expected, because basically I think the next show, the part two of this series we'll have with Alex is we're going to review No Time to Die. So if you have to fin- finalize the discussion on our predictions for the movie, Alex, what would be your predictions for No Time to Die? So uh, I I have predictions, but I'm, I'm concerned about it going into spoiler territory in case I'm right. I don't know anything about the actual thing, but I have ideas that I, you know, it, it, if anybody doesn't want to be spoiled for this, maybe, you know, stop listening. Um, but I, I have, I think no time to die is either going to be a great ending to the bond trail to the Daniel Craig quintilogy of movies, or it's going to suffer from die another day. And I think it's going to be one or the other. Um, because I'm a little worried that they're going to go into this like genetic, like, I feel like the plot of the villain might get a little silly. Um, I'm hoping that's not the the case. Do, okay, do you he's want me to He's a scientist, not say, basically. Like, I, wanna, I think he's a biochemical We don't really know much scientist. about him either. We don't know much, but yeah. yeah. Well, I've been I have, avoiding as much information as possible. I still haven't so seen do you want me to trailer. not say too much? Because I don't want to... Like, I've seen all the trailers, and I don't want to say things I that I have last, theories I was like, about. you should watch the last trailers so we can talk about it on an episode. Thankfully, we never got to talk about it because I still haven't watched yeah. the last trailer. So, Rami Malek's character, I mean, his character name is Safin. We don't know much about him, but... I mean, I don't know if it's Boreal Territory. Maybe it is, but he's tied in some way to Madeline Swan's character, so the Leo Sidhu And it's, character. it's unclear as of yet it's unclear where, how what that's tied. and how they're linked, but they are. Um, and she knows it, and for some reason it comes like... It, it destroys or it interrupts like their their special honeymoon, like their retirement honey, honeymoon five years after Spectre. Um, but yeah, he's I think he's a scientist or an entrepreneur of some sort. He's but yeah, he's basically, I think, a nuclear or biochemical scientist. We don't know exactly what, but I think that the stakes in No Time to Die from the podcast I heard are supposed to be incredibly high. Like, well, so I, I have some thoughts <laughs> and um Again, Sean, I don't want to go into my thoughts in case you're worried about like spoilers for this, but um, I am almost 100% certain that Safin is actually Dr. No. Yeah, that's what movie. I was already thinking, actually. Um, I have multiple reasons to think this. First of all, the set design of his lair that we've seen in the trailers is a one-to-one reference of a lot of the scenes. Like in Dr. No, there's that one room with the graded circular window in the ceiling. They have that exact same set basically I, in a I shot in the trailer. I haven't seen the trailer in like a long time or any of the photos I've intentionally he, avoiding. But isn't there a shot where you see him wearing gloves? 
Uh, I don't know about the gloves, but he's definitely wearing like a kimono at the time. Um, yeah, Chinese he's, kimono. He's, yeah. He's in his layer that looks very similar to the, the set design of Dr. No. But then there's other things, too. Um, Fred, you know those scenes where we see Safin and he's out on the ice shooting somebody who's under the ice? Yeah, he has like a mask or something. And yeah, like that, the form that face. mask, yeah. that mask is a, a, a very specific mask to a kind of Japanese theater called No, N-O-H. Uh, like the, like no theater in, in in Japan. That mask is like an exact mask that they use in that. Um, there's another theory that I have that I that I haven't heard too many people talk about yet. But uh, at one point in the trailer, you see some guys and there's like some trees and it looks like a little garden inside the lair. Fred, do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, 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 totally. Yeah. So in the You Only Live Twice book, Blofeld has a um, lair in Japan that is on a secluded island in a castle. And he runs something called the Gardens of Death, where people come to commit suicide in the books. Uh, it's a little more comic than that, obviously. But I think they might be doing something with that plot line, where Safin is running some sort of a um, organization where he where people come to die there, whether of their own accord or of his. Because he even says in the trailer, he says... James Bond, you and I are very similar. We're basically the same. He then he says license to kill, which I'm thinking maybe Safin has some sort of like a license to kill, but not in the James Bond way of thinking. And maybe he is yeah. maybe he's regulating eradicating people, which he also says he eradicates. I think he people. is in some way. We don't know what, but I think he has the power to kill a lot of people like in, yeah. in some way. Yeah. I also am wondering there's the last theory I have about no time to die is that um I know it's been delayed a lot of times, and I understand why financially, but I also wonder if the original version of this movie didn't have something to do, or if this version of the movie has something to do with a, with a pandemic, deadly yeah. virus, because <laughs> it seems to be like... <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. It's, it's, I have no clue. It's possible. If, if but yeah. that's the case, they've been very hush-hush on reshoots. Yeah. yeah. So, so my, my prediction, just to make a short story very long, um, for No Time to Die, is that if... In my opinion, I, I like Spectre. I like all the Bond movies, but Spectre was a little more um, referential and doing old Bond plot points. I think No Time to Die will be less referential, but more of a return to form, I think, where you're going to have Bond yeah. on a very classic mission. And it's going to feel modern in a, in a Skyfall way, but it's going to be very familiar, but not superficially familiar if that's going to be really long at what two hours and 40 hours minutes? 45 yeah. minutes i think yeah. 43 minutes yeah no it's a really long film Longest almost uh, as long as lord of the rings not 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 eight that minutes short. shorter than that's fellowship sh yeah we yeah. know we're going to jamaica which is very exciting because yes. it's the birthplace of james bond that's where the golden eye uh, residence is uh, yeah dr no as well yeah. all takes place in jamaica so yeah, that's another from what uh, i understand and this is going back like to uh, last not the previous winter, but the winter before that, Bond is in Jamaica and Felix comes to him looking for yeah, help. Yeah, we more Felix is, later. Yeah, yeah, we'll have some more Felix, but yes, that's... Well, I mean, we've seen in it, it, it tra trailers. It's not much of a spoiler, but no, yes, Felix all. is coming back, and I think he's the one bringing Bond back. Back. But like, like, because how he's is retired. Felix involved in bringing Bond back? Why does Yeah, Felix we don't know. Go? And then we're going to have, because Bond's back, but Bond's retired, so we're getting a new 007 in this movie as well. 
if she's 007, we don't know. We know she's a 00 agent, but it's never said that she's 007. Okay, we, I remember we know seeing like, that a news thing somewhere that she was the new 007, and everyone was like freaking out about it. Well, like, no, well, she can be, but I think she's re- she's replacing. Basically, she's replacing Bond while he's while while he's away, and she yeah. she's Bond's replacement. But we don't know if she's 007. We just know she's a 00 agent. But yes, yeah. it's possible. Uh, Lashana Lynch's character, but to to um, to complete to to. Uh, um, uh, rebound on what Alex said. Um, it's it's quite possible that yes, they're they're doing the whole okay, we di- rediscovering Sean Connery's era and that they are making Safin Doctor No. It's totally possible. It's just that the way they frame this is different because, as I understood it, I know they do. Christoph Waltz's character do come does come back. I think yeah. he's in prison and in he has trailer. an interrogation. Yeah, there's an interrogation scene with him, and he actually, I think he says. My enemies are now your enemies. So I think that Safin is actually a, um, an enemy of Spectre. Or he was a competitor, maybe. He's like another, like leading another criminal organization. Or maybe he was ex Spectre or something. We don't Hannibal know. Hannibal Spectre. That's what yeah. Blofeld is in this movie. He's Hannibal Spectre. Yeah, because Dr. No was part of Spectre. He was part of Spectre, yeah. Or in the so books, maybe he was. Maybe Safin is an ex Spectre and he's like, no, okay, I don't believe in your way of doing things. I'm doing mine. But um, a prediction I have. And it, again, it's only speculation. Nothing was written about it. But. How they, how Daniel Craig will play Bond in this one is like, there's a lot of joke about his, hey, his age, that he's an old guy. I think Lashana Lynch's character is like mocks him because like, oh, your legs are not working anymore or something. I'll shoot you in the right leg, the one that does work or something like that. <laughs> and my opinion, after five years, I'm not sure, but if they want to close the loop on Daniel Craig's James Bond, the controversial choice they might, they might have made is that Bond is a father in No Time to Die. He had a I've, kid I've heard this Madeline theory Swan. as well. Yeah. That will be something out of this world, something really crazy, but I think it does make sense. I mean, at the end of the day, how they wanted to pay to paint it like Craig's Bond, he's a guy. He's a human being. I think like it's at his age is only normal that he's he's a dad. I mean he could be a dad. Which is an uh, interesting pendulum swift because when Danny Boyle was attached to this movie, I think Danny Boyle wanted to kill Bond by the end of the movie. I've heard recently, and I've been looking up what the Danny Boyle thing was, and there's no, there's very little said about it, but I have heard that Danny Boyle was going in a very madcap, crazy direction with it. And that's not a good thing or a bad thing. I heard, I heard a quote from, a, I think it was like a special effects supervisor or something, who said that the Danny Boyle script was really crazy and exciting, but it sounds like it was very tonally different from the rest of the Daniel Craig movies mm-hmm. and maybe wouldn't have been the best way to cap off his Sith movie. Like it seems like they're trying to keep a generally consistent tone yeah, more or less the other throughout films. the yeah. yeah. Because you want to close the loops on the other, because the people say there's a lot of plot holes after Spectre to like, okay, but there's a lot of things that we don't know yet. And, but I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm interested because if they do make James Bond a father is like, okay, this is a, Com- complete like break of what we actually know of the character beforehand okay we're, we're, this is the bond of the 21st century we're not into okay he's the womanizer he goes on missions he's the internal bachelor no bond bond is a guy bond is a man who can like he, he can fall in love he can be hurt Which kind of goes he can back be, to lazy in a way 
Yeah, mm-hmm. this is exactly. And I think that's why I like this approach so much is that it makes Bond so relatable and so anchored in reality. It's like he's he's just he's just a spy. I mean, he, he might be not be the best spy in the world, but he's still a spy. He yeah. he still feels he can still like procreate and be a dad and leave, leave something behind. And I think that's I mean, it's bold, but it's still interesting. It's it can work. I think it if like approached correctly, you know. Do you, do you think that they pull a Tracy Bond and they kill Madeline Swan at the end of this movie? I think, I they think could, she dies yeah. in the first. I think she movie. does. No, oh, no, no. That's a hot take. I, interesting though. She doesn't. Could be. I mean, I have well, I've been avoiding a lot. So what if I she dies be, in like the cold open or something, and she leaves him a trail? Based of, on the footage I've seen, which is only that first trailer, I'm inclined to think that she dies in the first hour of this almost three hour. Interesting movie. prediction. No, I'm, I'm, she I'm just hoping that uh, if well, he is, I don't if think they she do, does. if if they do the bond is a father thing, I'm just really hoping that it's not some sort of crazy like genetic thing. I I kept hearing a, an early version of this script had maybe something. It was early speculation, but had maybe something to do with you know uh, some sort of cloning stuff like that. And I know that no, it's there's precedent Skywalker, for that. We don't need that. <laughs> I I don't want that that's what i that's my biggest hope for this movie is whatever it is i hope it is i hope there's big explosions lots of action but i don't want some really crazy stuff that doesn't seem to fit with the rest of the daniel craig films in my in my opinion i want a consistency as well i don't want them to go like jumping the shark for whatever reason i i don't want to like spoil your fun sean i was gonna say madeline swan i think she she's still alive till the very end we don't know like the, the the finale exactly but yeah, again, I've seen I've seen things in in trailers, um, but what well, I you're do seeing it on the Thursday, and I'm seeing it on the Sunday, so you'll have yeah. a few days uh, heads up on me. <laughs> I'll be oh, there no, on the no, no, you're seeing you're it seeing for no. I mean, I'm seeing it on Friday. You're you're gonna see it before me. No, I'm seeing it on uh, the Sunday. Oh, sorry. Okay. Yeah. Uh, but no, I, I, I figured it's just that I wanted like my dad to come with me, so he was only yeah. available on Friday. But um, I do think though that what they're aiming at is that. Madeline Swan, I think it's possible she's I think she's on she's on it with the bad guy. I think that's that's where we're aiming at. Or there's something there is that I think she's like agreeing or she's trying to assist like the bad guy in some way because she you does think believe they would have two women betray bond in his stories with vesper they, and madeline definitely but they could yeah i think yeah. because again like that's why we see the whole sequence in matera where he's driving the austin martin like crazy is that he she betrays him in some way see, i think we don't know bond, how but she does learns yeah. about some information like maybe they're having like their quiet time and everything and all of a sudden information comes to light and bond's like what like xyz what do you mean this is the situation who is that what's this and then he sort of threatens the situation and then if and when she dies he loses not only that emotional connection who might be the mother of his child and it throws his life upside down he's not double o anymore and he doesn't have that resource of information either that might connect to safin and he has to start investigating because like why was why were they after her? I can't yeah. ask her anymore because she's not here. I have to deal with that grief. And the movie's called No Time to Die. So, like, I don't know. Also, no, no time to die. 
<laughs> yeah, it's uh, so many people are speculating on it. I'm not like I think nobody will be surprised if like there's an unveiling that he's up. Yeah, it's, no, but like I think the it's not even his name. I'm sure that's no, the, I know. the big catchy thing. Well, like same thing with I think like, I think it'll be less like, of Blofeld, where Blofeld was really just the name, and that was the big reveal. Is like, oh, this is Blofeld, yeah, and but he doesn't really have any. I think this Spectre, was not. Right? Everyone not his was name. like, everyone who's seen a yeah. Bond movie was like, oh, surprise. I, I think Blofeld. I think with Doctor No and with this, it'll be less of a. Um, it's a me, a Dr. No. Yeah, I don't think they'll, they might not call him Dr. No, but it'll be a very, fairly obvious reference to it. Like maybe they'll do the hands or something or yeah. I don't know. Either way, I know I'm excited for this movie and I yeah. think it's going to be. And uh, then I guess they, okay, stakes. so they seem to be very positive on it. Craig is still seems to be very happy doing publicity. Everybody talking about the movie seems up on it. I feel like there would be less goodwill around it if it was a bad movie and they, they yeah. would all know it was a bad, you know what I mean? I agree with that. I think it's going to be as good probably as Skyfall. Maybe not like, maybe different from Casino Royale. It's not the same game, but I think that it's going to be like Skyfall level yeah. kind of good. I hope I, so. I'm anticipating my, my list being Casino Royale, Skyfall, No Time to Die, Quantum, Spectre. That, that's what I'm anticipating my list being, but yeah. I'm I guess ant- we'll find I'm anticipating out. the same, but who knows? Maybe it's going to be better than Skyfall. Who knows? Maybe. Maybe like we don't know. We don't know. And because Daniel Craig's been talking about this a lot lately because people are saying, oh, should we what should we do going forward? And Craig was like talking about the the origins and what the character represents. This is Craig's last movie. And what what do you think the future of Bond's going to look like? I have no clue. Honestly. I was actually going mean, to ask can... if, if what your guys' choices would be for actor and director, if, if you could choose or what you think would be a good direction for them to go. Okay, so director, my knee-jerk reaction, and I think we were going to talk about this, but after watching Tenet, it has to be Christopher Nolan. Yeah. Oh, that's my choice, too. Yeah. <laughs> he, would be, he would be good for, for a James Bond film. Yeah. Uh, Christopher Nolan would be an ideal choice yeah, to direct I, a Bond I think film. specifically yeah. Tenet has reinforced my guy, yeah. Bond. He's already He's worked with Chris Corbold, who is the special effects supervisor on um, on Skyfall, I think. He's already worked with him before on Dark Knight Rises. Um, they've done uh, Chris Corbold's been on James Bond forever and ever and ever. Uh, Christopher Nolan is a known huge James Bond fan. I mean, mm-hmm. Tenet, you, you watch Tenet and it's so it, obvious it's that was his audition. To, Bond. Yeah, with yeah. his own spin on it. And yeah, I think he, I think seeing what he did with Batman Begins. I think Christopher Nolan is the kind of director who has a very distinct uh, language that he makes movies with. But when it's something that is a franchise, I think he's very able to take himself out of it. When you look at the Batman movies, when you it still has his mark on it. But you look at Tenet or Inception and then you look at Batman Begins and Dark Knight, you know, he's able to just make a good movie. And I know that some people have always said about, you know, people like you know, everybody jokes Tarantino would make a good Bond movie, but I, I don't really know if I would go for a Tarantino Bond movie. I don't think Same it's like the right. I, would, I think your director sure I has go for to. A Tarantino Star Trek. No. Which a lot of people were. Yeah, I don't know where that. I remember them talking about that. I don't. I never thought that would particularly work. I think yeah. it would be very strange. But Nolan's my go-to director, and I've been trying to think of who should pick up the mantle next. And I think ten years ago, I would have said Michael Fassbender after his performance in Haywire. Nice too ten old years now. ago. He's yeah. uh, ten years ago. He's a little yeah. too old for the role now, so I don't think that's happening. Tom Hiddleston. Have you guys maybe, watched? Because of his. Have you int- watched the Night Manager? Manager? Yeah, that was going to be. Tom Hiddleston would be a good pick, it. but I Tom think Hiddleston would be the it. most Fleming novel Bond. Yeah. He, yeah. He, in when I read the books, and then I think of Tom Hiddleston, that's who I'm picturing. He is. He would be so perfect for that role, in, in my personal opinion. Yeah. So I think I think, I think actually Robert there. Pattinson would not be a bad choice. 
I wouldn't I think be, it'd be upset an interesting with that choice. If uh, I wouldn't be upset with after that. seeing Tenet. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, it was good in Tenet. Pattinson, though, he looked he looked apart. But no, I Tom Hiddleston would be a really good choice. But I think that he did meet with Barbara Broccoli and Michael J. Wilson, and they did. didn't they didn't they didn't like him that no, much no for for the part. So but we're not I'm sure not if he sh- met for a villain role or for a Bond role, though. So I think that's a little more open ended. Mm. Yeah, they, uh, there's a lot of like noise. He's, what, he's going, Godfather to Daniel Craig's kid, right? So there's it's kind of in house already, and I'm sure yeah. Craig got him that meeting. Yeah, maybe it's too close though. Maybe if they're that close, it's a kind of thing where you don't want to, you know, you don't want to like hire your brother because if he does something crappy, then it puts a damper on your relationship. I don't, I don't know. Yeah. I, I think the next Bond is probably going to be somebody like Craig who we're not even thinking of. You yeah, know, at the time, I mean, like, yeah, somebody, really it's not a well-known actor. If, it's probably like a rising star or something. Yeah. Exactly well, I was going like to say, if Craig they're going to change the ethnicity of the character, which is something that some people are talking about, I can't remember this guy's name, but the the, the gentleman from the show Bridgerton, which I have not seen. Jean-René Page. Jean-René Page. I hear he's one of the favorites with the bookies in England. I think I think Idris Elba that that was also a good choice, but it's a but similar thing to Fastbender. A little too yeah, old. That's like why a, I think the guy from Bridgerton is he's, he's new, he's fresh. Uh, apparently, he's got the chops. But and this is kind of going with Daniel Craig was saying. I think it might be a disservice to the character uh, to sort of be like, "Here's your here's the um, here's the sloppy seconds. We're gonna we're gonna just yeah. reinvent." So what I would like to see in the next movie. We haven't really seen this since Goldeneye, and even this idea is different. I would like to see a new Bond come in, and maybe he's a so new double o, yeah. yeah, a new 007, and but he's so out of his depth, and he's like, "Yo, 008, I need help. I need you to mentor me." And 008 comes in, and he's he's been on the job for a bit longer, and he's like, "I'm gonna help." They you should, out, right? They didn't do that that much. I mean, like most of the other doubles get doubles. killed off. We've seen like, Silva, <laughs> who I don't know his number. We've seen yeah. 006. We've seen. Who are the guys the, in? Is it Living Daylights that they get? A uh, double O gets killed at the beginning the, of Living Daylights. Living Daylights, I think double O three gets killed, yeah. or yeah. I mean, by, the, gets by this killed. time, the numbers are obviously Octopussy double O nine gets killed. You know, um, you know after double O nine, it beca- it doesn't go zero one zero. It goes double O ten in the books. Yeah. Like there's a double O twelve, I think, oh, okay. because the O's the O's symbolize the two kills that you need on your yeah. record or something like that. I so. only I always thought there was only up to nine. Yeah. Eh, yeah. No, there's a, so, there's a 0012 in Moonraker, I think, in the book, which is also books, a fantastic so. book. <laughs> the Moonraker book, if you guys want it's an so original James the Bond, movie, it's, it's completely different. It, yeah. And it is it is so good. If you read any of the books, I'd say read Casino Royale and read Moonraker because those are my two favorite. I did read Moonraker. Books. I did like it. It's yeah, it's really good Bond. Uh, yeah, better than mine. Bond, uh, Bond sorry. But yeah, uh, that's where I that's where I would like to see. I would like to see sort of like a tag team because it's. It's not something we've really sure. seen before, and that, and then we can maybe get like cross franchises, and we can explore the different characters, and I don't know, I think there's a lot of potential there just to like explore. And uh, I heard this talked about before in a different new, uh, video, but if we got someone who is a different ethnicity to play Bond, would they want to even serve Queen Country, considering yeah. the history? And I think there's yeah. a lot to explore there. So having a dynamic between someone who doesn't even consider that versus someone who might be overtly considering that and how might that compromise a mission? I think there's, it's, a, it's writing itself at that point. There's, there's a lot of potential for an interesting story that stays true to the character while exploring contemporary times that 
keeps the soul of James Bond alive. Yeah. Yep. Gentlemen, we have to wrap this up. It's been an hour and 36 <laughs> minutes. But before we close, I think we can just leave on this note and say there's going to be a part two when we review No Time to Die. But I think I would each at, uh, ask you, like, um, uh, one after the other, your top five James Bond for the audience. That if people want to, like, li watch James Bond movies before going to see No Time to Die um, in oct on October 8th in theaters, which one should they watch so, so your top, top five, five bond movies alex you go first okay. sean second i'll go last and we'll wrap sorry this is up. this are, are we are we saying which ones i think people should watch before seeing no time to die or just my favorite bond movies well i think that the ones you need to watch before no time to die for sure it's the, the daniel craig movies but so this is also like already resolved but i would say like if for people like curious about the james bond franchise like i think you can propose them your top five movies yeah like just like your favorite the top, movies your favorite top five which which uh, movies uh, would you recommend my i really like I, i'm not gonna go and pick from each actor because it it it's a little heavily weighted but i think i think it's definitely casino royale number one um dr no uh skyfall from russia with love and then maybe like you know, probably live and let die. Like it's a fun movie and I, I, it's a really hard decision. I know I have all these opinions on the movies, but those are probably the five I would, I would go with. It's a good pick. Like it. Yeah. Sean, what about Me? you? I'm going to go Casino Royale. Number one, probably Dr. No Skyfall. <laughs> the world <laughs> is not enough from Russia with love. You didn't nice. tell me you like from the world is not enough that much. Oh, I <laughs> love that movie. I love that movie. It's so good. <laughs> I'm glad to hear it. We'll have to have and a discussion at, on that. As eventually. a bonus, number six, the the world is not enough. Okay, good. Yeah. Well, <laughs> it's funny because except for that one, I think your your list is pretty similar to to Alex's. So yeah, it's that, good. we have the same top three for sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, we just switched out "Live and Let Die." I think. On my end, uh, I'll start from the bottom, but number five, I'll go with um, The Spy Who Loved Me uh, from Roger Moore. Uh, it's a good classic James yeah. Bond film. Number four, I'll go with Casino Royale. It's a little lower on my list, but still top five uh, quintessential Bond film. You have to watch it. Number three, I'll go with Thunderball. I think it's the best Sean Connery films from the golden era. So if you want a complete spy adventure from the 60s, I think that's that's your pick. Um, for sentimental reasons, I would say Honor Majesty's Secret Service second. Uh, it's an important one. It's not the best interpretation of Bond, but the story and the romance in it, it's, it, you, it'll make you cry for sure. A like beautiful it, it, movie too. Beautiful film. Beautiful film. Uh, and first and foremost, as I said, Skyfall. Skyfall, I think, is the ultimate James Bond movie. If you want to understand a character, how human he is, is not an indestructible machine as you were led to believe before uh and a beautiful film also well shot skyfall is your baby i don't care what anyone says adele's skyfall perhaps my favorite bond song yeah close uh i wouldn't say it's my favorite but it's definitely up there yeah, yeah. like but a good choice it's a knee-jerk reaction yeah. but i think that might be my favorite bond song all right Hey guys, it was such a pleasure. Uh, we have so much to discuss about yes, this, this franchise. We can go for Thanks hours for and hours, but 
Yeah, no, thank you so much, Alex, for being here. Um, it's 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 nice to see like or talk to somebody who has so much knowledge on the franchise because sometimes I, I think I'm alone in my head, <laughs> like asking myself all these questions and nobody else like to respond to respond to. So yeah, thank you so much for joining us in discussion. And oh, I, really, uh, yeah. I really quick wanted to weigh in very quickly on your discussion about Tenet from last week because um, oh my god, what was my thought that I had on it listening to you guys talk? Oh yeah, uh, as somebody who works in movies and stuff, like I generally know how visual effects are done. Like when I see a movie, even if I don't know how personally to accomplish it, I know how they did it. I know the techniques. Tenet, for all of its flaws, there are things in that movie that I cannot wrap my head around how they physically shot those things or got those things to look like. At the end of that movie, when they're having that big, like like, like yeah, version battle assault. scene, yeah, I, I think Tenet is. A visual effects masterpiece and i also think that like you guys if they had just solved the audio problems it would have been miles away better because the story is really solid and i have a real theory on these audio problems christopher nolan is very much against adr he's on the record as saying he doesn't like re-recording audio and when he did it with bane it was already like kind of a push but it worked he doesn't like having things not match up i think he uses imax cameras which are notoriously loud and I think he records audio on set with the IMAX cameras. So when he gets the things back, there's just so much background noise because IMAX cameras are huge and they make a lot of noise. So that that's my theory on that movie. But I just wish they'd, you know, bit the bullet and done some ADR because I think Tenet is a fantastic movie. It's an incredible story. It is. It, I, it's 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 a fantastic plot. Um, Tenet's one of those movies, regardless just, of what you think of it, you every now and again, you just can't stop thinking about it. You'll, it'll just yeah. enter your mind and be like, Tenant. and for whatever if it's a positive thing or a negative thing you're at least thinking sound about tenant. Yeah. yeah sound mixing anyway. is questionable in that film that, it, well, the it sound was mixing the biggest flaw of that the movie soundtrack by Ludwig Göransson is fantastic I, I've seen it with subtitles and it makes so much more sense the movie makes perfect sense it's crystal clear everything is great when you when you know what they're saying the whole time but anyway I just wanted to weigh in because I know you guys talked about it last week And uh, but it's still a great choice of director for a James Bond film and I'll yep. add one last before we close Guy Ritchie Sean you, oh, the, we both like I think Guy Ritchie could be an interesting director for a James Bond film interesting like, he has that really British feel to it, to it and he can direct action we've seen it with Wrath of Men oh. he can direct action that guy i think he can be an interesting choice for a bond director yeah i guess we'll see how carrie fukunaga does yeah exactly <laughs> maybe he has another deal signed for the next bond film we don't know on that note um this is a part one part two will be the review of no time to die after october 8th so we'll come back um us three discussing the film after we've seen it um on that note thanks so much alex thanks so much sean for that lovely uh geekish discussion on james bond yeah it was a great uh, discussion. and we hope you guys enjoy this conversation we hope you enjoy the new direction that this is going to go on as well uh thanks to alexander abby's sister for the new logo like it's amazing yes thank you so much alexander alexander abby's sister <laughs> yeah congrats on the logo you guys it, it looks great and the show is awesome i uh, i can't wait to keep hearing thanks, you guys man. keep doing it yeah Appreciate so it. you can if you're not listening to us here you can always find us on anchor and see where else we are we're also on should Apple we now, should so. we say like tweet something specific spotify at you if you if you listened all the way to the end of this episode you get a thumbs up ellipsis <laughs> tweet ellipsis at, <laughs> at whatever you type into a get ellipsis but yeah, you know, give us a like give us a follow if you have any feedback for us get in touch with us 
all that fun stuff. But the main thing, a like and a subscribe goes a long way. It really helps us out. It does. Thanks so much, guys. And it's only to be continued. Have a good one. Cheers, guys. We will return. <laughs> <laughs> Cheers. Take care, guys. Thanks. Bye. Bye.